How's it going today, guys? We are back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I am joined once again here on Tuesday, December 10th, 2019 by Austin Clark once again. Austin, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up, people? Thanks for uh, having me again, Thomas. Uh, Starting to turn into a weekly edition, but fine by me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Me and Austin have been killing it, so... You know, if you got a good thing, you might as well keep it going. Um, you know, it was a pretty good week this week of a uh, of a little uh, NFL, NBA, college basketball, college football. Obviously, you know, we got everything going. Obviously, though, the big story that I'm the most hyped about is my Florida State Seminoles going out and bringing in Mike Norvell as their head coach. And you know, honestly, I think it's a great move by Florida State. Um, I definitely think that we gave up on Taggart a little too soon, but at the same time. Tagger, you know, he, he was given up on from day one, but I mean, he was clearly in over his head. At first, I was kind of mad about that, but once I saw he was in over his head, I honestly wasn't too mad about giving up and getting him out of there. I think Norvell will do a much better job as long as, you know, we, we believe in him. We can't, you can't run someone off that quick in college football. You got to give him three, four years, bring everyone in. I mean, he put guys in the NFL left and right from Memphis. He runs a great up, up tempo offense there. He's a great offensive coordinator. So I think he'll bring a lot of that at Florida State and a lot of it'll transfer over. I just hope we play defense on like Memphis. So, that's the main thing I'm hoping for. Uh, what were your thoughts on that signing? Yeah, I thought it was a big pickup. It, it was a little bit surprising to me, but I don't really pay attention to the ACC enough to know who was really on the radar or anything like that. Um, as far as my Georgia Bulldogs, um, disappointing weekend in Mercedes and Mercedes Benz. Uh, we got our asses waxed by LSU. And Joe Burrow looked really, really good. He had a lot of time in the pocket. And um, when he checked down all his options and nothing was there, he just did it with his feet. And he did he did it pretty damn well. And uh, I think uh, he's going to win the Heisman here in a couple of weeks. Um, and he he displayed why, he, why he's going to win it um, this past Saturday. Yeah, you know, I agree with you completely. Burrow's definitely going to win Heisman. I honestly would have put that on here as one of the topics, but, I mean, his odds are, like, minus, like, 10,000 right now in Vegas. So that means you have to win t- or risk $10,000 to win 100. So pretty much zero value there on Burrow to win the Heisman. <laughs> but, you know, I definitely think Georgia, I mean, it's, it's clear and obvious as much as I hate to bring it up because I know it hurts Georgia fans deeply, but they should not have let Justin Fields go. You know, I mean, Jake Fromm, he looked good at Georgia when they had three NFL wide receivers, two NFL running backs, and even, I mean, a kind of an NFL tight end with Nada. But, you know, Georgia has a great defense, but they need that playmaking quarterback in there, which has become very clear. You can't just win games anymore by just power running the ball down teams' throats. You look at all the teams in the Final Four, every single one of them has a specialty playmaker quarterback. You know, even Oklahoma does with Jalen Hurts. You know, it's every single team has a special playmaking quarterback, and that's really what you need to get ahead of the pack. And ultimately, that's what did Georgia in. Um, I think moving forward that Georgia will still be limited again next year with Jake Fromm. I think Fromm can be better. Like, I thought Fromm put a lot more passes on the money. I thought he looked better than he has in the past in that game. But still, I just don't see it at all with Fromm. And I just, like, I didn't understand at the beginning of the season when NFL, I was hearing NFL execs had him as a first, second round pick. I mean, I'd, I'd rather uh, I'd rather just just not draft anyone and give just forfeit my pick rather than draft Fromm. Those, those spots. Listen, as a Georgia fan, I'm praying that Jake Fromm declares for the draft because I do not want him to take another snap as a UGA quarterback. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My goodness. <laughs> I can't do another year. I really can't. 
And uh, it's, you know, I'm just going to say what every Georgia fan's thinking. It's like, I can't help but wonder what this season would have been like with Justin Fields. And I know that's slander to say, and, you know, it's playing the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. But when you look at Justin Fields and, and what he's doing for Ohio State, you can't can't help but be a little uh, envious of what they have. Yeah, you know, I think if Georgia, as much as I hate to say it, I think if Georgia had Justin Fields, they probably would have won it all. I think they probably would have been the best team in the nation if they had Justin Fields in there. So that's saying a lot, you know, with that line you have on both sides of the ball. But Georgia has everything in the right place. They just need that specialty playmaking quarterback. And, I mean, honestly, if you're a Georgia fan, you can't be too mad about it. I'd say there's probably only, like, maybe four, five, six of those kind of quarterbacks in the nation, you know. And the good thing about it is you got Tua and Burrow who are both going to be out of here. So until somebody else, you know, kind of pulls up, pops up as that kind of player, I think Georgia, I mean, will have a decent chance of winning the SEC again next year. But, I mean, that's 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 what it is now in college football. You know, you got to be able to spread it out and throw the ball around the yard, which is something that clearly that Fromm's not capable of doing. Yeah, I mean, you do have a point. I guess he does have the experience, but there also are, you know, great quarterbacks in the SEC. I mean, you got quarterbacks like Bo Nix, Mac Jones, and, uh, you know, of course, Kelly Bryant's going to be on his way. But Missouri, I'm pretty sure, got a couple of good quarterbacks um, coming up in their system. So um, SEC quarterbacks usually always do a pretty good job of producing. and it, I think it'll be interesting in coming years to see uh, what kind of quarterbacks um, excel in the SEC. Is it going to be a dual-threat quarterback? Is it going to be a pocket-passing quarterback? Um, I don't know. I guess we won't find out until Tua and Joe Burrow uh, are playing on Sundays. Yeah, you know, something I've been thinking about, too, a little bit here before we uh... – move to the final four. And I mean, I was, I was thinking about this a little bit today at work. What if we were to see, you know, like one of these um, graduate transfers, like a Derek King or something like that, you know, transfer into Alabama. Who's the, um, I'm trying to think who's the other big quarterback that has his name in the, Oh, Jordan love from Utah state. We saw like a Derek King or Jordan love transfer into the S into an sec school. I think that could really, you know, put a team over the edge. Obviously I've heard King linked to Florida state. So that's what I'm hoping he does is end up coming to Florida state. But mm-hmm. I mean, one of those two guys could easily go into LSU or to Alabama and replace Tua or Jalen Hurts. I, th- I mean, or um, Burrow and give those two teams, you know, a step above everyone. Yeah, I definitely think the transfer portal is going to be a aspect of college football in coming years that we have never seen before. Like, there's going to be people. It's almost going to be like the the NBA. Trade, de- trade deadline or the NBA offseason. Like, we're going to have probably in coming years, I think, stars teaming up, going from one school to the other, all to kind of be in one area. And uh, I don't, don't be surprised if it starts happening in the next two or three years because once these players start getting paid, it's going to be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, you know, I agree with you completely. I also think the NCAA, though, will have some sort of way to – crack down on the transfer portal and change all this up because i mean the transfer portal has basically become like trading or like free agency but it's another conversation for another day um obviously out of all the action we saw 
Georgia going down. We saw Oklahoma move in there. Oklahoma barely escaping Baylor. I mean, did you think the committee got everything right with the way that the Final Four played out, or did you think there's a team that deserved to be in there that got left out? I mean, I've said this once, and I'll say it again. If the committee is trying to figure out which which four teams have the best record, they got it right. But I'm listen. I'm I've told you last week, and I'm telling you again this week. Alabama would beat two of the four of those teams. I th- and it's a shame they're at twelve. I know that it's slandered to say, but it's true. Alabama would beat half of the college football. Which two teams? And you think they would do it with Mac Jones? Yeah, they w- they would do it with Mac Jones. I believe that. I definitely believe that they would be Oklahoma. I think that's out of the question. I think if you just have the defense on a mediocre day for Alabama and you have everyone healthy on the defensive side of the ball, you win that game pretty easily. Clemson, I think uh, Clemson's actually going to carve Alabama up in in that game if that were to happen. Same thing with uh, LSU. Um, But I think that Alabama would also beat Ohio State. I think that Alabama has an offense that can compete with Ohio State and a a defense that's probably good enough to give that offensive line and the quarterback pressure that they haven't seen all year long. I mean, let's be honest. Wisconsin was the toughest game. The second time they played them was the toughest game they had all season. And it and it it was it was the Big Twelve Championship, Big Ten Championship, and I just think that if they were playing one of the top three teams in the SEC, that they, that they would lose. I really genuinely do. See, I agree with you in the fact that Ohio State's definitely overrated. I also do agree. I think honestly, if Alabama played Oklahoma, I'd probably take Alabama. I know we'd be getting points, but I'd probably take them on the money line. I think they would definitely win that game. Oklahoma, I mean, they could barely beat Baylor. They barely beat freaking TCU. Is not even bowl eligible for crying out loud. I mean, the Oklahoma can stop no one on defense. They turn the ball. They're just inconsistent. And I think Hertz is a little overrated, even though I definitely think he's a game changer. But I completely, I mean, you know. I think Ohio State's overrated, but I don't know if they, with Mac Jones, Alabama could beat them. I mean, I definitely – like, I think Clemson is going to wear Ohio State out. I think they're going to expose them in this game. I mean, if you look at Ohio State, they let Penn State with a second-string quarterback come back on them and give them a game, you know, that they nearly lost. And, I mean, they have talent across the field, but I just really don't think that Ohio State was tested or really played anyone all that great this entire season long. And I think Clemson and LSU are head and shoulders above everyone else. I think Alabama with Tua – is the is in that conversation, but without Tua, I don't know. I don't I don't know if if I think Alabama could beat Ohio State, but I mean, I definitely agree with you there that they're overrated. But overall, I think the NCA definitely got the Final Four right. Overall, I think it's gonna. I think as far as the records go, they got it right. And I, either way, I think it's gonna be an interesting Final Four. It should be good some some good matchups. I'm just one. I'm glad that my predict prediction that Utah came true, that they would lose that game, and that no one would want to watch them on New Year's Day. And two, my other prediction was that Tua would come back to Alabama, and Tua declared today that he'll be coming back to Alabama, um, I guess, to rehab. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be 
playing any games. I don't know if the doctors have told him, give, given him any information as far as timelines go. Um, but that was some interesting news that I learned today. Wow. See, I actually, I didn't even see that today. I must've missed that when I was in a meeting that Tua said he's coming back to Bama. I did not see that announcement anywhere, but, um, you know, I, I think, I think that they got the, got the final four, right? I mean, I just can't put one of these, you know, I realistically think that there's three teams since it, obviously Alabama without two, I think that there's three teams that are head and shoulders above everyone. That'd be Ohio state Clemson and uh and lsu i think ohio or lsu and clemson they were on even another level from those other teams but honestly though this is something i was thinking about the other day in college football there's such a big talent discrepancy between the top dogs and everyone else in college football and honestly it's kind of taken away from the fun of college football you know like alabama clemson lsu and Ohio State are pretty much getting all the big-time recruits. I mean, I would say Florida is like a little – and Georgia are a little bit of a – I mean, honestly, Georgia is too, but I would say Florida is like kind of right there with them. But outside of those teams, I think all those teams are on a different level from all the, from everyone else. They just have better quarterback play, you know? Like they have these elite quarterbacks like I was talking about earlier. What do you think about that? I'm sorry. You have to repeat the question one more time. So basically what I'm saying is that I feel like that college football, there's such a big talent discrepancy. I feel like all the big-time recruits are going to Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and yeah. Florida. The thing is those teams just have elite quarterbacks rather than Georgia and Florida, you know, are missing that unstoppable quarterback who can run and pass, you know, like that. I, I think what I think what a lot of that boils down to is like take, for instance, like um, take, for instance, Michigan and Ohio State. Um, how come all these kids are going to Ohio State instead of Michigan? You would think that in that region of the country, Michigan football would be just as big as Ohio State football. If you have, if you're completely neutral and you don't have, you know, like any um, bias towards one school or the other, how come Ohio State gets so many more recruits than than Michigan? And I think that over the past four years, Michigan has only sent maybe two or three players to the NFL where whereas Ohio State sent like over 10 and when you see like these big time schools send these quarterbacks or these running backs to the NFL like that's why why Georgia is like considered RBU because you know all the running backs that if you play running back at Georgia you have a great opportunity to go play uh, running back in the NFL if you go to LSU and you play defensive back, you have a great chance to be a cornerback in the NFL. If you go play quarterback at Oklahoma right now, you're in a spotlight to be recruited by by teams in the NFL. So I think a lot of it has to do with production from these college teams and how, how many kids they're sending to the NFL. Yeah, you know, I agree with you also. I mean, it's also a lot to do, though, with the fact, you know, the South, Ohio, Texas, and California. I mean, it's clear that they have much bigger talent pools and much better talent pools to pull from than everyone else does. And I think that's what's leading to a lot of it, you know, is just the fact you're seeing those. And, I mean, like you said, you see these teams pumping out so many guys in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft. That's where guys want to go. And, you know, it's almost like, I mean, it's – Stupid as it sounds, it's almost like the clout thing, you know, like you look at you go to a high school football game and you're like, oh, he's signed to Georgia or he's signed to Alabama. You know, everybody on the field is going to look at him. If you're good enough to go there, you're like, I might as well go there, you know. So that's more so what I think. But let's keep things moving here. We got a loaded up NFL um, topics to talk about. So 
Let's start here with something that I think has started to uh, kind of push its way out, and that is, is, are the Seahawks experiencing regression? Uh, the answer to that question is no. They're not. They have regressed, but they're. I think they were playing on such a level that um, that they weren't capable of. Also, keep in mind that the the Rams this past week um, advanced to a new level of reaggression. Like we kind of saw like this dip in the Rams defense. And really, honestly, a lot of their production on offense as well, whereas we didn't see that this past week. They were a much different team. Um, yeah, the, and, the Rams, you know, their offensive line finally got healthy. You know, Goff's not a mobile guy, so if he doesn't have the O-line, he's not going to be as good. So I agree with you on that. But my main thing with Seattle, you know, is just kind of that I feel like Seattle, their, their win margin basically of winning games is by two points pretty much. I feel like that finally caught up to them. You can only get lucky and win those games so many times. People have been saying to me, oh, Russell Wilson, he's known for winning big games. He wins every big game. But, I mean, Russell Wilson pretty much has a 500 record in big games. He's just been pulling it out of his rear end all season this year. You know, like the, in the 49ers game, for example, the 49ers pretty much had were down to no wide receivers, and we saw their wide receivers drop a ton of passes. But – Russell Wilson over the last four games has four interceptions and four touchdown passes. He hasn't been playing as well. This team is definitely a run-first football team, and they, they think they have the best weapons they've had when Russell Wilson's there. Honestly, I think they've just been lucky and fortunate to win some of these games they have. And look, I think Seattle's good. They're definitely a playoff team by all means, but I don't think they're going to come out of here and win the Super Bowl. I think they definitely are regressing back to the mean, but at the same time, they're no doubt about it a playoff team, and I still think they're a top-three team in the NFC. Yeah, they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, but I just think that the Ram the Rams played on on a level that they haven't played in recent weeks. That they they gave the Seahawks a run for their money, and the Seahawks lost. Yeah, you know, also like for Seattle, I think the biggest thing for them is they have to have home field advantage. Like between them and the Rams, it is huge who gets home field advantage in that first round bye. But I think it's even bigger. Um, I mean, in San Francisco, not the Rams, but I think it's even bigger for Seattle to get it because, I mean, we know what happens when you go play at Seattle at any point in time, especially late in the season. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. It's going to be raining. It's freaking Seattle, man. You know, it's going to be horrible conditions, and we know how loud it gets at CenturyLink Field, and I think that that's an environment that no team wants to go play in. I mean, that's that and Kansas City are probably the two most hostile environments in the NFL. I mean, Foxborough, Baltimore, you know, those kind of places, they get rowdy and wild. You do not want to go there in a playoff scenario, so – I think if Seattle can get that can get that first round bye and get that best record, I think it's gonna be huge for them, you know, because I think that New Orleans and San Francisco they don't want to go to Seattle and they don't want to go play there. But you know, Seattle like they're not gonna go to New Orleans and win. They're not. I don't think they're gonna march into San Francisco and win in a playoff scenario. So I think getting that number one seed's huge for them. Yeah, they have to win now. Um, but after uh, they've after losing. To the 49ers, right? Or no, no, they beat the 49ers in that crazy game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they have to win out. Um, it's it's crucial that they have home field advantage for the playoffs. It's crucial that they have a first round bye. Um, it, it it makes a big big difference. They have to, they have to, they got to get their shit together. Yeah, and you know, speaking of the 49ers, I know a lot of people have said this season they really didn't beat anyone and they have lost all the big games in their schedule. Was them marching into New Orleans and winning that game, did that solidify them to you as being a Super Bowl contender? Or, did, or I mean, like, was it basically, was this their statement game? 
Yeah, I don't think it was a statement game for the 49ers. I think it was a statement game for porn star Jimmy. I think that <laughs> I think that Jimmy Garoppolo has just played mediocre quarterback football, decent QBRs all year, and he hasn't really showed us anything that's really like, man, I I I can trust this guy when it comes to playoff time. He's gonna he can make big plays. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo showed us that in New Orleans, that uh, that he has what it takes to make big plays and, and come up in clutch time. So I think it was a big statement game for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that the 49ers are probably already in uh, Super Bowl uh, contention talk. Um, but that win in New Orleans, man, that's big as far as, as home field advantage goes for, for playoff contention, especially after that loss to Seattle. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I, I definitely think that that was more of a statement game for all the fans and just people who watch football. I mean, the 49ers were already here, and they had already made their statement on the league. We just needed everyone to start stop being ignorant and realize that they had arrived here. I mean, in that, in that game against the um, Seahawks, I mean, they pretty much were – they didn't have um, George Kittle, their best offensive weapon, who put the team on his back at the end of the game, would not go down. Um, they didn't have Emmanuel Sanders – I believe that one of their other receivers ended up getting injured. I mean, they didn't they didn't have so much in that game. And the fact that they took that to overtime and should have won if they didn't have a backup kicker and he I don't even know how to per- describe the way he missed that field goal, but straight up missed a field goal, you know. I really think that that team if they hadn't been beat so beat up in that game, I think they would have come out and won that game. I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. And right, right now to this day to day, I think they are the best team in the league. I think they will get that number one spot. And I think that they will, you know, I, I think this is a team no one wants to play. Quite frankly, they pressure the quarterback like no other team in the league. I mean, I, I've told you all, all season long, I thought for sure that they were a real team in the regular season. I wanted them to prove they can do it in the postseason. But going into New Orleans and winning that game right there ensures to me that this team will be ready to rock in the playoffs. And the thing about the 49ers that really stood out to me the, this past weekend, I'm pretty sure the 49ers only blitzed three or four times mm-hmm. the entire game. Their pass rush with Nick Bosa is so efficient and and so good that they just send three or four guys, and it's just like blitzing. So that defense, man, I've never seen a defense like that before, or at least in a long, long time, at least maybe since like the Legion Legion of Doom or whatever, Legion of Boom with Richard Sherman and, and Dim Boys, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen a defense that, that's just that good. Um, but speaking uh, go, speaking of the other side of the football with offense, um, what do you think about the Patriots' offense in that game with Kansas City? Do you think that we're seeing a little bit of uh, regression there? Or do you think that you're worried about the Patriots' offense? No, I'm honestly not worried about the Patriots offense. I think they're still going to be able to run the ball and they're going to get things together here as the playoffs come up. You know, the Patriots, they always seem to have something up their sleeve. You know, they really did shut down Mahomes in the second half. He also did hurt his hand, though, you know. So holding Kansas City to zero points in the second half, I thought was huge. They kind of got screwed over by the referees, but I'm not really scared of New England. I mean, I am scared of New England in the playoffs if I'm anyone. I just feel like that Belichick is kind of saying to you, all these teams like Houston, Kansas City, the Ravens, like, show me what you got, we'll see you in the playoffs. You know, I feel like it's that type of t- thing that he's holding back his real game plan. Obviously, I know they want the first round buy and everything, which is going to be crucial because the Super Bowl runs through Foxborough as it usually does. But 
And I just feel like they have something else left. You know, I feel like last year we were having the same conversation. Even the year before that, you know, we were saying the Patriots, they have no offensive identity. The Patriots, you know, they lost like last year when they lost to the Steelers and they lost to someone else. They lost back-to-back weeks pretty much. We were all questioning them. And, you know, they did barely beat Pat Mahomes. They did basically D Ford getting over or not being knowing how to line up properly cost the Chiefs the Super Bowl and sending them home packing. But, you know, I I just feel like the Peyton, if I've learned anything from watching the NFL for the 24 years I've been on this earth, never doubt Bill Belichick, and I'm not going to doubt him here. I think there's still something left in the Patriots tank. Yeah, it, I, I just need to give it a little bit more time. I need to see a couple of weeks. The Bengals aren't going to prove anything to me. Um, I think it's pretty – I think what, they already clinched their division. If not, they will. Um it, it's it's just going to be a matter of playoff time. I don't think they're going to get that first round by this year, so I think that's going to be a big speed bump in their way. I think what it really boils down to is that that Tom Brady just doesn't trust the Patriots wide receivers. He trusts Julian Edelman, and that's about it. He's throwing balls to Jacoby Myers every three or four downs, and he's dropping the ball. And so he's like, instead of me throwing you the ball and you dropping it, I'm going to try to put it in this small window for this person that I know can catch the ball. And until Drew Brees is, I'm not Drew Brees, until Tom Brady is willing to take those risks and trust his receivers, I don't think anything is going to change. Yeah. Um, I don't, I see. I just feel like there's something else left in the tank for the Patriots. I feel like they got to be able to hit another gear and you know, what wins with this all at the same time, you know, what always wins championships when it gets cold outside in January and February is defense. And that's what the Patriots got. They're going to have to rely on that defense to be able to move the ball up and down the field. I mean, there always is a point in time, you know, where the dynasty has to pass the torch on. I don't know if this is it yet. Personally, I don't think it is it yet. Um, also want to say this too about the Patriots. Um, well, I want to ask you this about the Patriots. Do you think that the story is true that they are filming that documentary there at the stadium or that they were actually cheating and trying to film plays and get signals from the Bengals for this weekend. Look, I, I, to be to be quite frank with you, I I don't know what they're doing. They definitely are recording things. I don't think that Bill Belichick's looking at the recordings. You know, from from what I've read and from what I've heard, it's a Patriots behind the scenes exclusive kind of documentary thing and uh most of this can be watched on their website and it's kind of a you know behind the scenes documentary short doc short film about the scouting teams of, of the new england patriots and apparently they they were filming some stuff that they didn't know that they were allowed to film um, at the end of the day, you got to go out and you got to beat these teams. You can have as much film as you want, but if you're if you can't go out and execute, then it doesn't it doesn't really matter. So to me, I don't really care whether whether or not it's information that allows them that gives them an advantage or not. You know, and and if Stephen A said this today, and if they are doing that, and then. My God, other teams should just start doing it because Bill Belichick's been doing it for years and he doesn't get penalized for it. So if you're not cheating, you're not trying, you know? Yeah, you know, Colin Coward kind of said the same thing too, but I completely disagree with him. I 150% think the Patriots are cheating here. Look, 
I might sound like the salty Atlanta fan who had him come back and beat us in the Super Bowl, but I mean, how is it the Patriots are always at the center of all these scandals? It just doesn't seem like luck or like it just so happens to happen that the Patriots have the, you know, I mean, like I don't, they don't like, get the I benefit of the ask, doubt. Yes, I think the Patriots are 150 percent cheating in some form and way. I don't believe any of that for a second, and I definitely think they have in the past as well cheated. So. That's my point and stance on it. Obviously, me and Austin are just speculating here. We really don't know what happened, but, you know, I'm a big believer in innocent until proven guilty. So they do have that in their favor. So I'm not going to come out here and just say, you know, straight up like they're a bunch of cheaters. But at the same time, you got to look at people's track records. And when you see a cheater cheating, that's all I'm saying right there. They, um, do, have a tra- they do have a track record. And as much as I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, I just can't. It's it's like looking at the guy who has 10 felonies on his record and you're sitting there with him and someone who goes to church every Sunday and you're missing $100 out of your wallet and you're out of the room for 30 minutes, you know, and each one of them were in there for 15 minutes different from each other. Who do you think's got it? You know, the guy with 10 felonies, obviously. It's the same thing here in my opinion, but – the Eagles pulled something out of their rear end, as they seem to always do that when it, when they come on the verge of elimination. I mean, I would say last night especially that, I mean, they were literally on the verge of being eliminated at the hands of Eli freaking Manning. And somehow, <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Who's winning this division? And uh, I just want to say this, by the way, neither team deserves to go to the playoffs, but who's winning the division? Neither team deserves to go to the playoffs, but the Cowboys are going to win the division. Um, I'm going to agree with you as well. The Eagles are just way too beat up on the offensive side of the ball. I saw today Alshon Jeffries out for the season. As much as I would want to pick the Eagles to make it here, even though I had them at the beginning of the season going all the way to the Super Bowl, I mean, there's just way too many injuries. There's a certain point in time, you know, where you can say you can overcome this injury, you can overcome that injury. But, I mean, the Eagles the Eagles uh, injury report, it, it, I wouldn't even call it a shopping list at this point. I would call it like – um, I, I don't even know what to call it, but a really, 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 really long list basically is the best way to say it. I mean, everybody's hurt. Carson Wentz. I mean, anybody who says Carson Wentz is trash. I mean, I know I've said it because I've gotten mad at him for uh, losing me money quite a few times on Twitter. But I mean, Carson Wentz is still a great quarterback. I mean, he's just nothing to work with. I mean, this offense is literally to dump the ball up and down the field. I mean, you've Darren Sproles out for the season. Deshaun Jackson out for the season. Alshon Jeffrey out for the season. I mean, Lane Johnson gets hurt last game. Aguilar. Misses last game, you know, Jordan Howard misses last game, you know, Corey Clement out for the season. Arkega Whiteside gets hurt in the game. You know, it's like literally I just named like seven offensive players that they are missing in this game. You know, it's just you can only do so much with what you got. And I think Carson Wentz has done a great job with what he's got. He just really has nothing to work with there for Philadelphia. And, you know, the injury bug, it's going to catch up to you at some point. He literally had a college quarterback in Greg Ward catching passes for him. But I will say this, though. The Eagles' schedule is extremely easy. I wouldn't write them off. I mean, Dallas is a little bit harder schedule, but, I mean, the Eagles play the Redskins, the Cowboys, then they play the Giants. See, the only thing is I think Dallas will beat them head-to-head, and so then if both teams are tied, obviously Dallas beat them both times, so they'd go over them. But that's just what how I feel about it. Uh, they're both terrible, so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. But I just think that Dallas is less terrible. So, yeah, that's the, that. the less terrible team will make the playoffs. It's kind of sad that that's the point we've gotten to here with them. By the way, Jordan Love just said he's going to the NFL draft, so that takes him away as transferring to Alabama or something like that. But mm. um, last thing here, real quick, that I want to want to kind of close things out with. Let's just 
let's not try to talk here too long. Just briefly say who we think is going to make each division, who we think is going to be the wild card since there's you know such little time left in the season. And we we're not we're going to skip the uh, AFC East because obviously the Patriots are a lock. Um, the Ravens have already clinched their division, so they're already in there. Um, what do you think about the AFC South here between the Texans and the Titans? Who do you have coming out of this division? Listen, the Titans will always finish. I don't care how many games they've won up until week eight. They could have won eight games, their first eight games. They will always finish eight and eight. They could win nine games. I don't know how, but they'll always finish eight and eight. And it's I don't know if they'll get into the playoffs. But the, the Houston Texans need to, need to get their stuff together if they want to make the playoffs. I think they're definitely the better team. I think they have they have a much better offense. But uh, whew, that that man that is just a bad division too. And um, man, I don't know. There's just some there's some divisions right now in football where you know there's you need to make more room in the playoffs for that division. And then there's some where you shouldn't even give that division a playoff spot. And I think this one and the, uh, what is it, the NFC West, NFC East, the one with the Cowboys, Redskins, Giants, and Eagles. My goodness, I don't want to see any of those teams play in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, um, I think the Texans will end up winning this division. I mean, like you said, Titans are always there with Tannehill, but I feel like the Texans are going to pull it together here and still slide in. Um, it looks like one of these teams will be a wild card as well, just because you know the Bills are nine and four right now. You got the Steelers at eight and five, as well as the Texans and Titans. I'm not sure if any of those teams have played the Steelers head to head. I don't think they have, but you know, looking at, through everything here in this division, I just really feel like Houston, Sean Watson, Bill O'Brien, they're going to be able to get things together here. Will Fuller should be back. I mean, I thought that was a pretty obvious spot. These two teams actually meet each other this week. They're at Tennessee, so that's going to be huge. And they play again in Week 17. So, you know, they both kind of control their own destiny. It's sandwiched in between that for Houston is the Buccaneers. So it's it's kind of funny, honestly, how these two teams play each other the next two weeks, and they're both right here. So everything's going to have a way to work its way out, the kind of the old-fashioned way, although the Titans have to play the Saints sandwiched in there. So – that ain't looking too hot for the Titans, and the Saints still got to play for that first-round bye. So I don't think the Titans are going to end up getting in, even though I think they'll split those two games with Houston. Um, other division here, we've got Kansas City Chiefs. They have officially clinched the division as well, so there's not much to say there. Who are you picking as your two wild cards out of the um, AFC? Mm, well, we're definitely not going to see the Eagles make a wild-card spot. I think the Bills could be a good choice. Um, I think with the Raiders' loss this past weekend, they'd be out. Raiders are six and seven; they're pretty much done. Um, you know, the Steelers are kind of in contention. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard. I definitely think that the Bills, with a win this weekend, and I do think that the Bills will win this weekend. Um, that they'll, they'll, they'll clinch a wild card spot. I'm not so sure about that other spot. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with the Bills here. I think they handle Pittsburgh this week and give Pittsburgh another loss. Um, Pittsburgh better hope Baltimore's got nothing to play for week 17 because there's no shot that them with Devlin Hodges can overcome that one as well. Um, you know, I'm going to take – I'm going to take uh, the Titans as my other wild card team. I think the Titans are going to split here with Houston and then lose one. I think Pittsburgh will as well. 
I don't know who holds the tiebreaker between these two teams because they haven't played each other in the regular season. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with the go with the Titans if it. Obviously, I don't know how the wild the tiebreaker is, like I said, but I would pick the Titans. So. That's what I would have for the AFC. Over here at the NFC, we both just picked the Eagles. Uh, I mean, we both picked the Cowboys. Uh, what do you think between Packers and Vikings here? Packers 10-3, and three, Vikings 9-4. and four. Yeah, I think the Packers are going to be able to come away with that one. They've looked like pretty solid on both sides of the football. And, um, man, Aaron Rodgers, um, come, come playoff time, he's a bad man. So... I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Packers. Yeah, you know, I feel like both teams have pretty winnable schedules. They also do play each other one more time. I think it's kind of fun how they played each other at the very beginning of the season and they play each other again here at the at the uh back end of the season. So I really like that with the schedule here. But, you know, I'm gonna go with the Packers as well. Just the fact they're a game up I think goes a long way. So I've got the pack coming out of the division here. Um let's see here. What division do we want to go with next? Um, NFC South, you know, that's pretty much locked up here. <laughs> I mean, it's already been clinched by the Saints. Um, San Francisco and Seattle, who do you have um, winning this division? Yeah, I think uh, San Francisco actually is going to win that division just because they won that game over Seattle. If it comes down to a tiebreaker, they have the edge there. And I think that Seattle will probably get that other um, NFC wildcard spot. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think San Francisco is going to win the division. I think Seattle will be the, will be a wild card one as, and then as my wild card two, I mean, it's pretty much between Minnesota or Green Bay here. So, I mean, Minnesota for me. I disagree. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be, um, the, the quarterback that they need him to be come playoff time. But, hey, we've seen the Vikings do amazing things before, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to see the way everything plays out here. Vikings have done amazing things in the past, so, well, you know, what's to keep them from doing it here one more time? Um, That's pretty much, though, all we got for you guys. I'm excited to see how everything plays out here. It's pretty much the end of the NFL season. Everything's winding down right now. Um, it's been a fun season so far. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I'm definitely going to miss the NFL regular season when it ends here, but we got three more good weeks. So let's go ahead and grind everything out. Austin, I appreciate you coming on the podcast once again. Thanks for having me. If you guys want to give me a follow, you can follow me uh, at Twitter or Instagram at Clark Till Dark, um, or you can get some of my free picks off of uh, Buzzer Beater Sports also on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, what was that parlay you cashed again? It was, what, five-team parlay? Uh, no, no, it was a four-team parlay this past weekend. I took Oregon money line, Wisconsin, plus 18.5, which I didn't need to buy those two-and-a-half points. Yeah. San, San, San Francisco 49ers money line and Clemson first half minus 17.5. I put down 33 to win 650. So I cashed out this weekend. It was the, probably the it was the biggest parlay I've ever hit. Um, I don't expect to hit one like that anytime soon. Um, but hey, if if you guys have some picks for me, maybe I can maybe I can cook something up. Another four team, another four team parlay that that pays out with some dogs in it. I love it. 
Yeah, and the other impressive thing about that too is Austin was telling me about that shit, all about that parlay, like about how he liked all those teams and everything on like Monday or Tuesday too. But no, that was very impressive. I mean, the fact you have all those dogs in there and win like that, I mean, you don't see those hit too often, but what what a win. I mean, it's got to be a great feeling, but y'all can follow me on Twitter at TP3Wins, on Instagram at TP3Bets. Y'all already know I post everything up on there. Um, weekend podcast this week, going to be NFL matchup and going to be a little NBA talk as well. I wanted to do NBA on this one, but we just had so much football to talk. But um, appreciate everyone tuning in, and we will speak with you all again soon.